I dropped everything, man. I, I nearly went bankrupt. I went into massive debt. I stopped my businesses. I just, I went all into personal development, like really developing the core of who I was. I lost my identity in many ways. I lost core groups of friends. I lost a lot in order to gain a lot and strip myself back. And that was a necessary process for me because if I hadn't gone through that, that whole situation, I wouldn't ever realize. I thought what I was doing was normal, man. I thought the cheating and the pornography, it wasn't even pornography, but the prostitution, all these different, these experiences that I was seeking to not only distract me, but I was looking for deep intimacy and connection. But every time I actually found it, I would pull away. I was so scared of my freedom being taken away from me. What is up, beautiful people? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show that is making mental health mainstream. The way we do that is we interview people about the deepest, darkest, most traumatic and challenging moments and periods of their life. We go over what they went through, how they overcome it, any tips, tools and tactics that they use to do so, any lessons that they've taken away from that period in their life, and then where they're at now, how they've turned that pain into purpose. All I can say is that I'm just truly, truly grateful. And I absolutely believe that together, me and you, and the sharing of these stories, we will make mental health mainstream. Let's go. Welcome back to Open Up with Lockie Samuel into episode 120 with Stephanos Safandos, men's and woman coach and mentor. Brother, I've had a couple men that I really admire and cherish in my life speak very highly about you. And like I said beforehand, that's the reason for me reaching out. That's the reason why I'm so excited to do this with you. So grateful for the opportunity to do this with you. So thank you for taking the time to be here, man. Yeah, likewise, brother. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, first question straight off the bat. Could you describe the way that you view yourself as a man and or human? Yeah, so I, I view myself as a, I mean, I want to say a renaissance man to some degree. I want to say I view myself as a, a man who is really deeply connected to his body, to that, that warrior energetic, and at the same time, um, really delving into and striving to open heart as well, open my heart as well, and into, into compassion and connection and relationship with myself, relationship with that which is in my environment, relationship with my wife and, and my loved ones and those that I care for. Um, and so that, that, that archetype of that, that philosopher, warrior, poet really resonates true to me, mm. you know, um, in a, in a, yeah, in a deep, in a deep way. And I think, you know, I read a lot of the uh, ancient wisdom and there is so much ancient wisdom that says, you know, essentially he, who was a man who is only in his body or only in his physical is, is not really expressing the fullness of man. And, and he, who, is only in the mind it hasn't really conditioned his body and hasn't explored the potentiality of his body is is not really in the fullness of man either so i think i really resonate with that archetype and and it just feels it feels true for me in terms of describing myself as a human you know i i i'm a child of this earth i'm a child of this cosmos as we all are and i think we have a we have a duty to to be the uh, the caretakers and the stewards of this earth, that earth that houses us, that houses our consciousness, just as this body does. 
that um, that allows us to experience the experiences that we have, you know, from the highs to the lows to everything we appreciate and are grateful for to everything that causes us deep challenges but helps us grow, right? And so I think from that perspective, we have a duty to to really connect to Earth in that way. And I think when more men do that specifically, um, I think we've lost that connection, we've lost that touch uh, with with that part of our humanity. When more men do that, I think the world is really a, a more profound place and we're tapping into deeper levels of potential as well. That's amazing. It, has anyone told you that you've got a super grounding and calming voice? <laughs> yeah, I've been, <laughs> been told that a few times actually, but not, not when I'm fucking angry, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tyrannical, still working on that shadow part of myself, that's for sure. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Um, let's dive nice straight in. <laughs> let's dive straight into childhood, man. If you're happy walking us through like your yeah. story from there. Yeah, man. Look, I I don't say this to downplay myself or my story, but like many, you know, I, I've I've experienced some turbulent, tumultuous times during my childhood. Um, and really that was unresolved. That trauma was unresolved for uh, the biggest part of my life. Um, you know, for 80, 80% of my life, essentially. And so I, I grew up in a quite a violent household, tumultuous household, emotional and physical abuse, a lot of volatility. And the, the, the difficult part of it actually was that there was love there as well. And it was very evident and visible. And that was confusing. It was so confusing to be in that environment because one moment it would be abuse and violence and the other moment, another moment it would be love and gestures of care and affection. And I feel safe, but then I don't feel safe. I felt very alone. I felt very isolated in my thoughts, in my own emotions in understanding myself in, in seeking some, some healthy reflection back from the, the primary masculine in my life um, and, and the primary feminine as well. You know, my, my mother was an amazing mother in many, many ways. And she was also preoccupied with surviving herself and dealing with her own pains. And there was enmeshment and entanglement there. And there was neglect there as well. And none of it was purposeful. It was wounded people doing wounded things, you know. But I never really dealt with that until I never properly dealt with it until my very, very early, early thirties, like, you know, around the 30 year old mark, 31, 32. Um, you know, and I, a lot of my life was driven by those unresolved, unconscious wounds and traumas and, and patterns that I developed to protect myself that I took into my adult relationships. And that, that not only destroyed those relationships, it really left a sour taste in people's mouths and it didn't form close intimate bonds and didn't allow me. I had so many laid fears, fears of commitment, fears of rejection, fears of loss as well. They're all wrapped up into, into this, this funk that was me. And so I'd, I'd just wear a lot of masks, man, a lot of masks to, to hide my insecurities and, and false, it was all false confidence and false bravado. And internally I was really just suffering and, and disconnected from my core and not, not really living in meaning. Meaning I was pursuing short-term gratification and short-term quick fixes, whether it was pornography, prostitution, chasing women, chasing money, um, going into different businesses, ups and downs, ups and downs, burn, build, burn, build. Like it was just, 
you know, the only thing I didn't do was get addicted to drugs because I, I cared too much about my health. And that was, that was an important thing that actually kept me really grounded throughout my years. I look back now, I think that really kept me grounded, you know, and it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't until I was about 31, 32, I started delving into, see, I'd started early, right? I'd been privileged to, to go into different expressions of spirituality from a very young age. My mother exposed me to that. And so I was always very curious and wondered a lot about life and how can we make life better? You know, like as a, as a young boy, I was always terrified. There wasn't, there were very few days where I wasn't terrified, terrified of my father, terrified of them fighting, terrified of the environment I was living in. Um, I just, just terrified. I couldn't speak that up. I couldn't speak to that. Right. And I lived my life at the beginning of my life, feeling very, very disconnected and very isolated and very withdrawn. You know, I was bullied a great deal. I wasn't popular. I was overweight. Um, I was overweight for some time until my mid teens and teased a great deal and just left out and we were traveling back and forth from Greece because my family was there. So I'm missing my family. I didn't feel I belonged anywhere. I didn't know where the fuck I belonged. So there was that sense of belongingness that was missing as well. And I sort of hit my later teens and I just, I just, that rage, man, that I was caught and trapped inside me, just out. Started practicing martial arts, just started drinking a lot more alcohol and um, just fighting every weekend, you know, just, just angry all the time, man, angry. And I, and I spent honestly a lot of my, a lot of my life being really angry, just saying that I would be every, I wouldn't be what my father was, but I was that, you know, yep. um, really angry. And I masked that anger with, uh, with, you know, expressing wisdom and philosophy. I wasn't integrated. I wasn't integrated. And again, it wasn't until, you know, about 30, 31, 32, where I was in a relationship with a woman and she found out, and, you know, we were, we were close. We were together for three and a half, four years and she found out that I was unfaithful in that relationship. And it really, it really was a, a spark for me. It was a catalyst to go deeper into my own wounding. And a lot of shame came to the surface. And it wasn't just the shame from those moments in those times. It was shame from my childhood. I couldn't understand any of it. And again, I, you know, I thought I was this smart guy, studied psychology at university, continued to study, lots of study but I wasn't integrated and I'd done all this work and I'd spent time with psychologists and counselors and energy healers and all that. And I thought, well, why is this happening? Well, what's, it must, it must not be me. You know, just once again, blaming everything else or everyone else. And that, those moments really, I looked, I looked at my life. I said, something's just not in alignment here and I've got to go deep. I've actually, I can't just play in the shallows because that's, that's what I've been doing. And I've been pretending I haven't been, I've been pretending to be deep. And there were aspects of me that were deep man, really deep. But I wasn't, I wasn't seeing it through and I wasn't following through and I wasn't matching. So my inner world wasn't matching my outer world. So I was out of integrity and I thought I've got to go deep. And I just, I dropped everything, man. I, I nearly went bankrupt. I went in a massive debt. I stopped my businesses. I just, I went all into personal development, like really developing the core of who I was. I lost my identity in many ways. I lost core groups of friends. I lost a lot in order to gain a lot and strip myself back. And that was a necessary process for me because if I hadn't gone through that, that whole situation, I wouldn't ever realize, I thought what I was doing was normal, man. I thought the cheating and the pornography, it wasn't even pornography, but the prostitution, all these different 
these experiences that I was seeking to not only distract me, but I was looking for deep intimacy and connection. But every time I actually found it, I would pull away. I was so scared of my freedom being taken away from me. The associations I made because of what I witnessed in my primary caregivers is a primary example of, you know, marriage and relationship. I developed these very distorted views and belief systems on what a healthy relationship was or what intimate relationship was. And so I had to go into the, the unconscious and conscious aspects of self, particularly the unconscious psyche, and really break down all of that, diffuse it, debunk it, um, re restructure my belief systems and deal with my trauma, feel my unfelt feelings from those core experiences and those core woundings. And I had support, you know, I, I had extensive support. At one stage, man, for probably a year, I was seeing um, a practitioner, a counselor, a psychologist, an energy healer, a shaman, minimum three times a week. Like I was... But I also spent a lot of time on my own because I knew that's what I needed to do. And I lent on the times where that I developed through the years. You know, I, I use uh, training and, and physical work as a crux as, as opposed to using drugs as, a, as an outlet, as an escape. So I used the mental and emotional toughness and conditioning and resilience I had in that area and I applied it to dealing with my emotional childhood self and the pain that I was experiencing as a young adult. I still am a young adult. I was only 38 now, so it was that long ago. But, you know, but it feels like I it was that long ago at the same time as I was completely different people. Um, and it was just a, it was, it was a journey that I committed to no matter what. And I said to myself, I'm either, I'm either going to end up committing suicide because it's too much. And I went down that path, man, many times. Do I do it? Do I not? This is bringing up a lot of old stuff. I don't want to deal with this. this you know, it's easier being ignorant. Or I'm going to end up in a, in a mental asylum because I was losing my mind, literally and figuratively, right? And I was, I was re restructuring my neuronal pathways around how my amygdala behaved with the environment and how it associated with certain experiences of people and events and all of that. Like I was really making rapid, massive changes that were very overwhelming. Or the third part is I'll come through it and teach what I've learned and impart the wisdom that I've learned, but more importantly, not even teach. That's, that was part of it. And I could, I could see that, that vision. I had that vision, right? And I had that vision for a long time. But I just couldn't live to it, but not only impart um, wisdom, but more so live it, just be that person and, and, and feel freedom in that, you know? And so that's fortunately for me, that's the, I took that third part. It's, it was a journey. It was years and years. And um, you know, it still is. I don't think we ever stopped growing, man. I don't think, we ever stop growing, I think we continue to grow. But that's a the short slash long version of that. Yes. Man, I've I wrote down so many questions while you were speaking <laughs> that you answered as we went along. <laughs> um, I just want to ask, knowing that like early thirties, you're in this point where or at this inflection point where you get to choose who you want to be. Yeah. And you chose to go down the harder route, taking responsibility mm. and changing your life, yeah. losing a lot to gain a lot. Are you proud of like the progress you've made and how you're now teaching or imparting that wisdom? I very much am. And I'm very humbled by that progress as well, man. I'm very humbled by those choices that I made. And I'm very grateful for the woman that was in my life at that time. I had the very unique experience of her finding out a lot of information that any, any woman would have, any, most women would have just left, left me immediately. And, you know, I could have done the work still and, and, and chalked it up and said, okay, well, the next relationship I'm in, whenever that may be, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't do these things or whatever. I'll be a different person. And that's great. And that's, and that's important. But, you know, for a number of months, we tried to make it work. 
and that was a very turbulent time in and of itself. And that was a very challenging time, more so than anything else. But what it gave me was a gift of being able to work through this stuff with someone that I really hurt and that I had behaved in a way. Like it was, it was not just this new person with no history yeah. um, that had no, no uh, reference point of me hurting them and, and me having to behave and show up in different ways because the conversations were very honest. The confrontations were very real. The hurt was very real. So it, it allowed me to develop a, a deeper character, a richer character. Um, I mean, I can't speak for her, of course, but um, that was a game changer and, a, and a, transform, a very transformative time for me to have that opportunity, you know, to go through the ups and downs and choose to respond, not react, to be present to that, to take ownership and responsibility of who I was in those moments and to choose how do I want to be when someone is really pushing me to my edges. Um, you know, when she's in a lot of pain and, and blaming and shaming and being highly reactive, how do I want to show up to that? Do I want to be reactive back or do I want to be hyper passive and meek? No, I don't want to be any of those. I want to be somewhere where I can hold that and also set healthy boundaries at the same time. So I had the real life practice of that, of very intense, being very multiple intense situations. And that helped shape and fast track, I believe, my own inner progress that's amazing that she could i guess withstand that or hold you in that space and remain in that space with you for most well a lot of the guys that i speak to anyway especially going through this and infidelity there's that anxiety around the partner finding out and i guess the anxiety is due to having that hard conversation knowing that you're going to break your partner's heart when they do find out yeah how how did you give yourself permissions to to stay in that relationship and to i guess know that you were consistently going to come up against having those hard conversations that were going to like reflect flaws back to you i was just i was very ignorant man i thought what i was doing was normal i thought it was okay to do that you know like what what someone doesn't know doesn't hurt them that type of attitude i was very distorted in my mentality and and it was very, I was extreme and unhealthy in my approach as well. Um, and so I, I ignored a lot of it and I suppressed the guilt and I suppressed the shame that I had and I suppressed it with anger. You know, I suppressed those primary emotions, the sadness, the guilt, the shame with anger, secondary emotion without even knowing it. And men are very good at doing this. It's a biological function. We're good at doing this because we've been, we've evolved to be exposed to very volatile, dangerous situations. And being emotional or being vulnerable isn't, hasn't really, we haven't had access to that in the male organism. And so being angry, which promotes greater levels of testosterone, more activity, more cortisol release, we're mobilized more, we're ready for fight, flight or freeze. And that's a more regularly accessible emotional state. And so I'm not making excuses for why men get more angry, but it is part of our physiology, just like women, females have certain physiological aspects to them that are biologically unique to that gender. And so it was very easy for me, but that's not always going to work. We, we live in more evolved times now. We're not on the savannah. We're not in the wilderness and the jungle. Right? We have to have uh, very real, meaningful, intimate conversations. And that, that type of approach isn't always going to, to work, not always in a survival situation. Although when we're having emotional conflict, we feel that we are. 
So I just suppressed it and avoided it, man, and got angry and blamed everyone else and made, made it their fault instead of taking responsibility for myself. And when she chose to stay, she knew she, you know, she wanted to do some deep work on herself as well. And, and so we explored that for as, as long as we could. And, you know, I held for her, she held for me. And we, we had some very honest conversations, some very difficult and challenging ones. And again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that, I wouldn't change that for the world. As, as v- uncomfortable isn't the word, but that doesn't do it justice, but I still wouldn't change it for the world because it, it definitely, it enriched my character, that's for sure. How do you go from like a boy who was terrified throughout his childhood into a man who is violent and blaming other people, um, not taking responsibility, and then stepping into someone who holds himself accountable and takes responsibility? Because I, I know that switch in mindset and that shift in taking responsibility for men is where they begin that process of change. Mm. The answer is with great pain and, and feeling the feelings that I'd ha- I had ignored for so long that were attached and connected to core wounding and trauma that were left unfelt because I had to protect myself and develop a psychological, psycho-emotional coping strategy that ignored it at the time so that I wouldn't feel like I was you know, dying. I was feeling those feelings, man. It was going through all those processes. Okay. How do you how did you give yourself permission or what did you do to express those feelings, especially anger, knowing that it was through violence beforehand? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I leveraged many different tools and techniques from different levels of energy work to psychotherapy, counseling, shamanic work, breath work, somatic work, other forms of somatic work and energy work. Um, for me, man, there were times where I would be for hours and hours on end um, just doing anger release work on my lounge room floor, you know, screaming in the pillows, hitting boxing bags, um, going for long walks, you know, moving, getting into my physiology, just sitting on the floor, sometimes crying and screaming until I lost my voice. I couldn't speak for days. Whatever it took to to move move the energy through me, move the emotions through me, irrespective of I mean, there were times where I wanted to give up, you know, I mean, give up on my life and give up full stop. But I just, I knew that there was something greater than where I was in that moment. And I just held on to that. Like I really held on. You know, people, not, I'm not insinuating that you are asking this, but I mean, and look, I've developed a six step cyclical process to deal with pain. You can check it out on my YouTube channel. It's a 40 minute video or so. And Ooh. there's a whole process that goes with that. Right. And I've it. developed that. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're all looking, we're all looking for those processes at the end of the day, you just got to face your fucking demons and that's it. But there's no, there's <laughs> no real secret to it. You just got to, it's not about manning up. It's about manning in. Like you've got to go in, you've got to go within. Like we're very good as men at battling the outside world, climbing the highest mountain, conquering a land, you know, cre- creating something when someone says we can't do it, building, building the structure, but very rarely do we go within. Like you just take the energy of that, of that outwardly projected creation and force, the energy that you have and just direct it inwards. I mean, that's, that's essentially, I just, I just grinded, man. I just got tough and I got resilient and I, that's it. I, there's no real secret to it and it's that but that's the hardest thing to do um but the rewards are, are plentiful and i had yeah. great support around me man i did i had amazing fucking support from very close friends to professionals and practitioners that i don't think i would be here today if it wasn't for them you know the credit's not just mine like 
you think of a sporting team, you know, like the, the, yeah, the team does a lot. And of course, it's the athletes and of course, it's the players. Absolutely. But it's also the coaching staff. It's the support staff. It's the rehabilitation staff. Like, even if it's just a boxer or something, like it's his whole team or her whole team around them. Like, it's, it's not just me. It's the team that I had that I chose to be. You know, my brother, my friends that would check in on me, that would make sure that I was okay when I wasn't answering my phone for a couple of days. They'll be knocking on my door. Are you there? Are you there? Where are you? You know, like... It's that level of dedication and commitment and loyalty that I had built up over many, many years. By the way, as a byproduct of wanting to not be at home, I would always be out, you know. So I grew up on the street, so to speak. And I, I wasn't, I was never homeless per se, but I grew up on the streets like a street kid because I never wanted to be at home. So any opportunity I had to be out, I would be out. But in doing so, I forged really amazing friendships that I still have today. Healthy friendships, some not so healthy that they, that, you know, their use by date is done but some really healthy relationships I still have today, 20 plus years, man, 20 plus years, you know, so more, it's like 22, 23 years, 20 plus. So there's, there's benefits to that, but I couldn't realize all that until I really went through my process. And you just got to, you know, you've just got to be standing at the cliff's edge and below you, there's a very dark ocean and you don't know if there's jagged rocks and you don't know how deep it is and you don't know where you're going to go after you jump, but you just got to fucking jump. And that's, that's how I equate it. I equate it to that. And I don't say that with any arrogance. Like there's, there's not, that's not an easy thing to do. And I avoided it for so many years. I had so many opportunities. I was on that cliff's edge so often to jump in, lean into the mystery and just go all in into to the unknown, right? That's where the magic is. That's where the beauty is. That's where life is created in the unknown. You look at Joe Dispenza's work, you know, you look at ancient mysticism and Eastern mysticism and Vaita Vedanta. We're talking about the mystery of the unknown that is life, life pulsating through, right? I had so many opportunities. I was on that cliff's edge so many times. I said no every time because I was scared. And then finally it took that to break me and say, you know what? Fuck it. I, I, I really can't be more painful than this. I'm just going to lean in. I'm going to jump. That's amazing. And doing, I feel like having the breakthroughs within the internal work makes me so much more proud of myself than having breakthroughs externally and like achieving success or getting some sort of contract or like external validation. It's beautiful, man. Do you feel like that um, unwillingness to jump off that cliff, to jump into the dark ocean comes back to like having control and, not wanting to face uncertainty, like even if having control means yeah. you're staying in a comfort bubble that is toxic? 100%. We're, we're addicted to what's familiar because it's safe and it's comfortable. And we would rather the devil we know than the one we know. And the truth of it is that it serves us in some way, but we just got to realize that how it's serving us isn't the way that we want it to serve us, right? But we think it is. And so for me, I was addicted to my familiar patterns. We, we, all, we all generally are. And we're addicted to our coping strategies actually more than the patterns because the coping strategies that we implement alleviate the pain. So for example, um, and this is, a lot of this is hormonal and physiology as well, man. This is pr- very primal within us. So for example, if you're in a relationship as man and you have a fear of intimacy, a fear of getting close, a fear of being vulnerable, you know, you don't know how to, express yourself it's very uncomfortable it's very awkward you feel a lot of tension you know you may go and visit a prostitute or or cheat on your partner or whatever it is to to have that sense of freedom and like oh you can do what you want and so forth and that gives you a high you know dopamine's an anticipatory hormone you know you you tap into those primal pathways of procreation even though you don't want to 
have a baby per se, or a child with another woman, but it's that's what's driving you part in part to have sex, big part of to have sex with that woman, right? And so the build up and anticipation is a massive distraction. And you've got this massive high and then you have the sex and then you've got this massive low plus layer guilt and shame on that as well. And sadness for the actions you've taken for just basically being dishonest. Because, and so if you're in an open relationship, then you've got nothing to be dishonest about. It's, it's a very different conversation, right? And you can ask why you're in an open relationship and it's not wrong or right. It's, it can be actually be healthy. It just depends on, on your intentions. But, you know, go back to that heteronormative, you know, quote unquote monogamous relationship. Then you know you, that guilt, and then you've got to do it again because the dopamine's gone, that that, that hit's gone. So you, you you can't do it with your partner. You can't get close to your partner because getting close makes you feel unsafe. And so boom, you're back into those patterns again. And it becomes an addictive pattern, and you're addicted to the coping strategies, the feel good process or outcome that comes from the actions that you take. And I was very much addicted to that. And it's easy, man. It's easy in the world that we live in. It's we live in a paradoxical world, like sex everywhere yet it's also not really spoken about and not in healthy ways and then when you're sort of having it it's it's quite quite dirty it's like we're, we're we fucking live in oxymorons or it's crazy man and it's that sets us up for further disconnection from self and further disconnection from authentic love and intimacy yeah i found um well, I was introduced to like sex and porn at about eight. And so I had a porn addiction wow. from like eight years old up until like maybe six months ago, wow. six months to a year ago. And I didn't know it was a problem. I didn't know it was an addiction, even though I was watching it like once or twice a day. Mm. I was just like, oh, fuck, this is what all my friends do. I work mm. FIFO. So this is, yeah. you know, it was common yeah. to go to the toilet during a lunch break and wank. Yeah, wow. It was just the thing, yeah, and yeah. like it, I didn't understand how much it warped my perspective of love and of relationships. Mm. What I perceived a woman to be and what I thought a relationship needed to be, man. Like, how did porn impact you, man? Like yourself, I'm just thinking about it now. You know, like I would be studying or something, and but I just said, oh wow, to you. But I was doing the fucking same thing too, man. Like, was, I would be studying. I was bored of studying. I've been studying for two, three hours put on porn, wank, I don't know, rest for like 20 minutes, go back to studying. It was a normal thing. You know, I'd be maybe at work somewhere you know, earlier on in my, in my days and, and I'd, yeah, just go to the bathroom and just wank or something. Like it was just, it was a very interesting time. But then also, man, I went, I went years, I would go pockets and years of, I went seven years without masturbating. I, would be, I was having sex, I was having sex, but I purposely, no porn, no masturbation, um, I remember the time the time I broke and I started young then as well. I was in my, um, at my auntie's house in the shower. I thought, oh, I haven't, haven't masturbated for a while and just didn't. I thought, oh, is that it? Like it was, didn't even, it was, it would, but, but then I became addicted to that cycle again. And then boom, it started again. But I went through a lot of, a lot of different times where I'd be, I was all or nothing, man. Like that's why I'm an extreme personality. So I was all in, you know, masturbating once, twice a day. I wasn't, I wasn't a bit like, I wasn't, it was a daily thing, but it wasn't like a three, four, five times a day or anything like that. I just yeah. I couldn't, one, I couldn't be fucked doing that. And two, it was just too, too much in <laughs> the space for it. But, um, you know, it was, a, it was a daily thing or it was just completely off it. And I've also been purposely celibate as well. There's no, no sex, no masturbation, no pornography, none of that. And that's deliberately celibate. And that's been very powerful for me as well. That's really, that changed the relationship to myself sexually, but also emotionally, but also how I saw women. 
um, and how I interacted with women as well in terms of I was less outcome and goal orientated and more, far more present to, to them and to, to me as well during that process. Yeah. How did you, um, just going on that, I guess, train a little bit further, how do you view, I guess, or how did you view that outcome and that end goal and how did that relate to your self-worth? Oh, it was all about me. It was all about what can I get? You know, and don't get me wrong, I would want to really satisfy the person that I was with, but ultimately satisfying them was about making me look good or feel good. Yeah. And it was validating me. And so everything I did was about, was about me, essentially. It was about what can I gain? What can I get? Very first stage, hyper-selfish way of relating. And it was coming from fear, coming from fear of being seen, coming from fear of not being good enough or perceived that way. So it was the subtleties by which we live our lives, if we don't pay attention to them, they consume us. And they're very difficult to pay attention to. And that's why we sometimes need, excuse me, we need a men's group, uh, you know, a group of healthy men that can see us and shine a light on those dark places for us. You know, our partners can do that for us as well, therapists and, and professionals and people that we trust, respect and revere can really see the forest through the tree because we all often can't. It's amazing, man. I'm, I'm really loving your energy. It's, um, you feel it's called, we call them cuddle back home, like, uh, an elder, a grandfather. It just feels <laughs> like that very like tapped in, like you said, warrior, poet, masculine energy, bro. It's just, uh, Thanks, Makes me want to cry, to be honest. I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I, um, you know, I really feel the, you know, I really feel the kindness from your heart too, and I, I really receive those words. I appreciate that. Um, I honestly feel like I've known you for, for years and years. It's one of those dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess last question about your, your story, and it's around yeah. being supported. You, you spoke about having support, um, having coaches, plant medicine, shamanic work, energy healing. Mm. Um, how do you, well, how did you allow yourself to be supported? Because I've gone through this massive mm. struggle of thinking I was awesome doing all the work by myself and, mm. you know, trying to force the universe to help me break through because I wasn't comfortable being held. Yeah. I think the answer again is with great difficulty, brother. I, I, you know, I very much had that lone wolf mentality and still do sometimes, man. And not purposely, not, it's not a coming from a place of ego. It's more coming from a place for me personally, I'll share this with you and it could be resonant to you is I developed a, a habit when I was a child, not to bother anyone. I didn't want to be a nuisance. Didn't want to be a bother. The, the more quieter I was, the less seen I was, the less chances my dad would get very angry and aggressive the less chances maybe my mum and dad would fight because my mum wouldn't have to defend me or my dad wouldn't have to defend me because they switched those roles. Very confusing. So I learned to not be a bother. So my pattern wasn't, oh, I'm better than everybody else. I'll figure it out myself. Although in saying that, if I have to be honest, that was part of it too. And I got that from my dad, that ego, that entitlement from my father. That was part of it. But the bigger part was I didn't want to be a burden to anyone because I didn't want anyone to see that I was weak. And so I, I struggled with that. And I still do sometimes, man. I really still do. But I notice that when I do, you get to practice this. The more you go deeper into this work, into your own work, you practice and you notice, ah, I'm doing it again. Can I be compassionate with myself? Can I be nice to myself? Can I have a, a kind conversation with that part of me that is being very resistant right now and just say, hey, we're safe if we go talk to someone. It's not going to be the end of the world, you know? 
But that's why it's important to have trusted, respected, revered people in your life, even if they don't give you accurate advice per se, but they just hold space for you. You know, they just see you for who you are. They appreciate, respect you, acknowledge you. These are masculine. Uh, these are, the, the male needs that, and the masculine really needs that and thrives in that space. And so, yeah, it's not an easy thing, man. I, I hear you. And how did I do it? I just, I just, again, I just grit, man. I just, I, I realized that it was a pattern that was disrupting my progress and my life. And I didn't want my growth to be disrupted. So I made a choice to be uncomfortable. <laughs> it sounds like it always comes back to that, hey? Facing uncomfortability, facing yeah. uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing, man. Um, just check the time okay cool i might give you a few wrap-up questions then we'll go sure. on to what it is that you offer brother sure. knowing everything that you've been through up until now the uncertainty you've faced the uncomfortability you've faced on route to change what would you say the quality of your life is like now oh man indescribable compared to what it was both internally and externally you know like i uh man i mean I'll start externally because it's, it's, it's easy and it's tangible and people can relate to it in, in a way. But I mean, I have, you know, I was over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I have zero debt now. Wow. I have assets. Now this is in a short, very short period of time. I mean, I was cleaning toilets a few years ago, man, at two degrees cleaning toilets. Cause I didn't, I was working on my programs and, and, and teachings and putting, um, models and frameworks together for evolving masculinity, evolving self, evolving consciousness and all the stuff that I'd learned. I didn't want to, I didn't want to work. I mean, I wanted to work, but I, I wanted, I needed money. I, I didn't have food, man. I, I didn't, I was cleaning toilets. It wasn't that long ago. You know, my life has escalated massively. I mean, I'm, I'm married now to such a beautiful human being. I mean, she sees me. We, we have an amazing dynamic. We have issues. Of course we do, but that's part of life. Um, but we, you know, we see each other, I'm not in debt at zero debt. I'll be very clear on that. And I was over a hundred thousand bucks in shit debt. I'm talking credit card debt, man. Not, not, oh, you know, I own some property and I'm in debt. I mean, that's an asset at least, it's an asset class property. I have properties now. I, I, I'm, man, I'm earning 25 X what I was literally like, it's, just, it, it's how much, you know, I live, I live in the US. I, I travel often. I mean, I was traveling often before, but now I'm traveling without being in debt. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, you know, my life has changed dramatically. My exposure is, is far broader and deeper as well. I feel very much on purpose and on mission, very clear. I have clarity, man. That's not even have before. It's very murky before, like in and out, indecisive. I'm not indecisive anymore. Sure, if I have to think about a business decision or a decision of where I want to take my path, I'll sit with it. But I, I purposely sit with it. I don't, I'm not like, oh, what do I do? I'm confused. I'm, no, I don't have that anymore. So that's, that's a big way my life has changed externally. And internally, man, I feel at peace, being honest. I've got nothing to hide. I don't feel like I'm carrying the world on my shoulders. I'm not hiding anymore. I'm not wearing masks, you know. Man, that's a big relief. Big grief. Someone, you know, not telling the truth and really hiding a lot and, and not doing that anymore and, and being really clear and very decisive on, on who I am, what I want and how I show up in the world. I feel like I'm, I'm not completely different. Of course not. If we completely change, I think it's more the relationship to those parts of us that no longer service changes. They, they're still there, you know. And, um, 
you know, sometimes I think about pornography. Sometimes I think about, you know, prostitution or whatever, but I have no yearning to go there. These are just new habits that I'm just still, still breaking patterns of. I have no desire to go, to go to that place because why I was going there has been healed. The core of that's been healed. It doesn't mean that it won't come up again, but the core of it has shifted. And that's what we've got to get to is shifting and changing that relationship to those parts of us that no longer serve us anymore, that are coming from a place of woundedness or trauma that's driving us to feel safe and driving us to be reactive, both in our physiology and our amygdala, so to speak, and also in our prefrontal cortex, our worrying or thinking mind as well. Damn, man. Speaking to my soul. Got a got a little fire in my chest. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> From cleaning toilets to having properties, bro. I was going to ask you too why why you're in. Did you say Austin? You were yeah, Austin, Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, so we're no. living in California. We 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 love California. We're sort of back and forth between, but you know, Christine's got family here, and um, we just thought it'd be a really good business move. And man, we're we're very happy we're here thus far. Like it's really good. And I'm an ocean baby, man. Which part of Perth do you live in? Uh, Munster, like down by Coogee yeah. Beach. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm a, oh. fur, I'm a furry boy, spilled boy, man. So I know, I know exactly where you oh, are. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up in. I was born in East Fremantle, um, uh, Woodside Hospital, and I was, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I grew up in Fremantle and Spearwood. So I'm, I'm very connected to that place, and I'm an ocean baby, right? So it's, it's, but, but we have some amazing natural beauty here, man. Some of the best in the world. I didn't even realize, like, within thirty to. Two, 30 minutes two hours away from where we are here in Austin amazing amazing lagoons and lakes and national parks and really beautiful so happy we're here we'll be here for I'd say at least two three years and then we'll probably go back to the coast or in the mountains somewhere but planning to, to be in Australia a good chunk of the year as well nice awesome man what are you most grateful for right now oh, this conversation man just your energy the way you're showing up really grateful to you know, I have a bit on today and I was actually going to reschedule this. I was thinking, oh, I don't, really, I, don't really, I don't like to do that, right? And I thought, oh, should I reschedule? Should I not? Uh, no, I won't. I should be okay. And I'm really glad I didn't. I'm really glad I didn't. I just, uh, you're, you're an excellent interviewer, man. And just the way you show up, your presence is really, really empowering. So this, I'm grateful for this interaction and meeting a new friend. God damn, I'm going to have to go have a cry after this. <laughs> for real <laughs> um, let's get on to what it is that you offer man because yeah. like I said I know a couple of people who you've whose lives you've profoundly changed so I'm interested as well yeah thanks brother so um, I, I definitely a, a, a core of what I do is one-on-one -on -one work I work with couples and I work with individuals and I, I'll, I'll take them generally on six-month journeys and there's a journey arc on that and we we unpack we hear we, uh, we discover, we, we recreate, we reinforce, you know, whether it be patterns, whether it be emotional constructs, uh, re relationship dynamics, whatever it may be, but really getting to the core of who someone is and releasing what's holding them back. But I offer many, many programs. I have different programs that I have available, um, you know, from working with, with single women, helping them really draw in healthy relationships into their lives to multiple programs I've developed for men as well. Um, being healthy, conscious men, just evolving themselves as men and helping them, providing them with tools and techniques to deal with what contemporary man faces today to life changing protocols. Like um, myself, my wife do a lot of work together. We have, 
In fact, what we have coming up very soon, June um, 6th, 7th and 8th, is a virtual workshop on healing the inner child. And we don't realize it, but so much of why our life is so shit, or we keep repeating the same patterns over and over again with a different face and a different name is because we haven't dealt with our childhood wounding. That, that's honestly the core of it. That's not all it is. That's a big part that holds us back and the patterns that we develop from those young ages that we take, continue to take into our adult lives. We need someone that can help us say, hey, that pattern's not healthy. Here's how you change it. Here are the tools. Here's a way to reinforce a new pattern. Here's how to live your life in a way that's actually a version of you that's aligned with a vision of you. And so the Inner Child Workshop's an amazing opportunity um, and super cost-effective too, but amazing opportunity to to really dive in a little deeper. So it's a Friday evening, Saturday day, uh, Saturday all day and Sunday all day as well. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah, we have breakout I, groups. It's all on Zoom. It's super fun. And I can vouch for inner child work too, because I think that was where my breakthrough came. Yeah. Doing the inner child work, it was like the first first time I was doing it too. I did it alone though, so it wasn't supported, mm. um, which probably would have helped me going through the trauma, but I re-experienced mm. trauma and my father tried to drown me in a bathtub when I was six. And I had no idea that that's where the feeling of not being worthy come from, not being enough for him. So, oh man, inner child work is probably one of the most powerful things you can do if you're looking at change. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and I excited. commend you, brother, for doing that deep work. And, and I, I remember times doing it on my own as well. And it, it's rough, man. And again, really commend you for and relating to you doing that deep work and choosing to do that. Man, uh, first of all, thank you again for taking time to be here, knowing that you felt like you weren't on today. Um, but most importantly, man, thank you for being or going through what you've been through, facing that uncertainty, breaking through, and then now um, allowing yourself to be this mentor, coach, guide, and helping transform the lives of men and women like all over the fucking world, bro. It's, it's amazing. I love the way you show up. I love your energy. I love how calm and grounding you are. So, you know, thank you for being here in this space. I appreciate you, brother. And, and I receive all that. And I'm honestly a reflection of yourself. So thank you for having me. And thank you for reaching out. I'm, I'm glad you did. Yes. Thank you, bro. <laughs>